Creed's final entry. Our mission was a success. Well, at least to some degree. It was quite the adventure for me. Meeting the cousins. Here for the rescue party? The rescue party? For the little girl? No, I'm waiting for my cousins. Finding the skewered body on the spike of rock. As you draw near, it becomes clear that the base of this formation is an old log cabin, probably a hunter's lodge or a hermit's house, and the towering formation is a massive spike of rock that rose up and impaled itself right through the heart of this cabin, splintering the roof. And then you realize, skewered at the top of the spike, maybe 200 feet above the ground, is the body of a giant. The corpse of the giant by the tree, impaled on the other spike of rock. Like a sort of orangey mist um, kind of surrounds the area and I breathe it in, and then my eyes start to glow and I can detect magic now. What you find as you peer under this man from where he was impaled is this spike of rock is emanating an aura of uh, transmutation magic, and yet... For some reason, it's different than the one you saw back at the cabin. You can tell it's transmutation, but it looks like it was sourced in a different way. That strange wolf creature with three heads. As you get closer and the details become more clear, you can see that this beast is hairless. Its skin appears thin and cracked like something mummified stretched over the bones. Its body is strange like a few animals were assembled together to create one larger animal. Six legs, three heads, and all of them wolf-like in shape. And the cabin with the shattered ritual circle in the basement. There before you appears to be some sort of religious altar. It looks like it may have had some, almost like whale bones or something going up, but they've been smashed and there's, uh, the floor is littered with a party of bodies. You count four plus something strange. It looks like a human body, like a giant, but it's it's old and its skin is tight to the bones. It's kind of like the beast you saw earlier. And then, when it was all over, there was that mysterious fellow that gave Madge a box. And then, the very mountain we were standing on lowered down and provided us with a, a flat walk home. As you get closer, you start to notice that the air around him is a little bit distorted, almost like the heat waves coming up off of a hot road. And he sets this, what appears to be a wooden box in the snow. And then he looks up at you, and he gestures with a kind of um, a hailing motion of his hand. And then he turns and begins walking away. And then suddenly, the entire mountain shakes, and you feel this earth quaking beneath you as the fires rage behind you, and everything begins to move. You can feel it in your stomach like you're going down an elevator as this entire mountain roars with crumbling rocks, and you feel the whole thing lowering down and down and down for what feels like miles, but it gets so fast that it's just a moment, and it's done. And then there's a cushion that softly comes to a slow and then it stops everything is flattened out before you except for this deep snow and the forests off in the distance and the man has vanished and the box lays there 
in the snow. Which I was grateful for, but what the hell does it all mean? I reckon it's not for me to say. What's important is, we got the little girl home. It's tragic that her father didn't make it. But I'm happy the mother got to embrace at least one family member when we got back to the town. Wish I knew why the girl was kidnapped in the first place. Perhaps I'm better off not knowing. I enjoyed my time with the cousins and the rest of the search party. Wonder if I'll see them around. Maybe they'll pass by in the street while I'm playing my tunes. I suppose it's not unlikely. It's a small world, after all. And so ends my record of our adventure. This is Creed, signing off. Time to Die Podcast Network presents The Giant's March. The road is long, but the world is small. Census week has arrived in Obregard, in the province of Rognor. Every household of every province has sent a representing member to account for their family. Ferdos and Mads, you've been staying at your cousin Sina's house as guests. The census instructions that you received were very confusing. But, as best as you can tell, they're trying to schedule the various related families as close together as possible, so you all three went to the Census Bureau that morning. And you've been waiting all day. I think we're going to kick off with Mads and Ferdos. You guys are sitting in the waiting room of this census bureau waiting for your ticket to be called. Um, Cena, you've already gone into the room. And there's going to be a gentleman sitting next to you, Mads, and he says, This is the worst organized anything that I've ever seen. Apparently, you have never been to a druid circle. They are very disorganized. I, I agree with him. He would know he is a druid. Yes, this is, this is the most organized thing I've ever been a part of. Well, that's saying a lot, because best I can figure, the colors and the aisles represent the district from where you're from, but... Looking at the map, it looks like they drew some of the boundary lines right through town, and I I don't even know which side of town my address is on or where I should be. I don't even know what these symbols mean, and there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. You're supposed to contact Jerry about that. I'm going to have to open my invitation letter again. Fuck. His name is Jerry Mandering. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fault them too hard. It's only their second census ever, but I feel like a ten-year-old could come up with better than this. I agree. We should have all just sent a letter claiming that we were who we are. I don't mean to impose, but if I ran across the street and grabbed a drink, would you mind saving my spot? Absolutely not! There are no cutsies! 
you would. Absolutely not, you wouldn't mind. Oh no, I would mind. Cutsies are very bad. The mountain has already told us that if we find ourselves in a queue, we must wait in that queue until it is done. Is this a queue? I thought we were going by when our symbol is called. I have a star square, it looks like. I don't know what it means. Well, then there would be no reason for me to hold your place. If you could just tell them that I'm just at the pub and I'll be right back if they call my number and save my spot for me. If I care enough at the time, I might. That's not reassuring. It shouldn't be. How much is it worth to you? I've been waiting here for a good hour. How long have you guys been here? Perhaps you misunderstood my question. How much? And I, like, kind of squeeze my fingers together like the rubbing money symbol. Is it worth it to you? Oh. Well, they're already price gouging across the street, so not that much. Well, then have a wonderful time. (laughs) Mads, as best as you can tell, the symbol on your tag gets called. They're like, uh... Uh, Circle Diamond. I will uh, walk up there and present my card. I am the Circle Diamond! (laughs) As soon as you do, a big burly guy who smells hard of alcohol approaches you as well at the same time, and he says, I am Circle Diamond, and, and I've been waiting here since this morning, see? I do not care how long you have been waiting for. My card matches this. No, my card. And he, ha- like, shows it to you, and it looks a little bit more like Diamond Circle. May I see that for a moment? Uh, take a look there. That's, that's what I just heard. She called Circle Diamond. What are the cards made of? Just fucking paper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cast Druidcraft and cause the paper to rot. <laughs> and then I'm going to wink at Mads. <laughs> What did you do to my chicken? Mads, he's going to shove you hard in a drunken state. I am going to grab him and try and break his arm. <laughs> okay. Why don't you make an attack on that one? Okay. Um, that will be a 23. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh... <laughs> Ferdos, you hear this all too sickeningly familiar snap that resonates through this building and everybody kind of stops and turns. As soon as everything stops and like I had seen um, my cousin get shoved and then like uh, him, you know, grab him to break the arm, I just (laughs) yell out, um, census fight! And I just pick up a chair and (laughs) hurl it into the crowd. I would estimate that probably 90% at minimum of these people are already drunk and they're already irritable from waiting all day and chairs start flying and glass starts shattering and bottles are flying through the air and uh, you guys are in a full-out brawl. Why don't you give me a... Just give me some attack rolls since you guys started this. You can kind of get the upper hand. I started nothing! He shoved me! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so just one attack roll, or how many? Give me three. Three? Okay, so... Uh, Post them in the chat. Oh, God. Plus ten. Good boy. So... 
rolling so fucking bad. One of them's natural 20. My, uh, second one. Tim does an 18 beat your AC. Um, it should. Yeah, it does. Um, I think the 18 and 26 are sure land. You sure hit. Uh, and then I'll say the the 28 and the 30 for Chris. So, uh, if you could each give me your two damages. As soon as this breaks out, all the gnomes in the room scramble under people's legs to get out of here. And, uh, all the giants erupt into, uh, just chaos. And, um, you guys do, uh, you land your attacks and there's some serious bludgeoning damage, but it's nothing like lethal or anything since y'all are meaty giants. Would you like to describe what your attacks are? So, uh, my first one would have been just lobbing that chair. <laughs> and then, okay. uh... The one you were sitting on? The, yeah. <laughs> and then the second one, just like whoever stood up next to me, I would just like start uh, swinging on them. <laughs> And the, the last one, I would just, like, after I punched the, the person um, standing next to me, I, I would, like, pull back with my arm and just elbow the person that was, like, directly behind me at that point. <laughs> okay. Um, he's doing that, uh, Mads. What happens after you break this guy's arm and everything erupts? Um, I'm only punching people that touch me first. If they touch me... I injure them greatly. Otherwise, question: uh, What happens if they get shoved into you un- unintentionally? Like they didn't oh, I'm still fucking them up. You're not allowed to touch me. That's <laughs> okay. Not okay. This guy gets shoved into you, and you attack him back. The second guy then attacks you head on. What's your counter? I'm probably uh, just going to punch him right in the throat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He reels back and he starts struggling to breathe and then uh, more guys start roughing him up and suddenly as you're watching that out of nowhere this chair smashes right over your back dealing six points of damage. That's the only attack of all the rolls I did that I landed so what do you do to this last guy? Um, I, I turn around and see him when it happens. He's still holding the back of this broken chair so you clearly know it was him. I would like to try and pick him up. <laughs> okay. And then I would like to swing him at the uh, other guy that I punched in the throat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're fine. So you you just kind of, you know, hurl this guy and they hit, like, bowling pins and knock him all over. Cena, before all this happens, we're rewinding back in time. You walk into this office and you sit down in the chair at this desk and this person is very official seeming. They're just formal and they're like, this is the paperwork we have and we're just going to need some information about you and your household. This is standard stuff. Um, I'm going to fill out the paperwork for the sake of time, but you can just answer the questions now. What is your name? Uh, my name is Sina. Sina. Is that spelled S-E-E-N-A-Y? No, it's spelled S-I-G-N-E. Oh, Signy. Okay, Signy. 
<laughs> it is. It's pronounced Sina, but thank you. Oh, what's your last name? Breslovsky. Sheena Breslovsky. Um, he's gonna uh, look away from his paper and down at a um, another paper that he has on his desk, and he's gonna kind of run his finger down a list of names, and then he's gonna say, "You are one of the ones on the expedition." Yes, I was. You're going to need to wait right here. I'll be right back. And he stands up. Okay. And he goes out a he he goes out a back door, and you're left waiting. After waiting all day just to get here, you're left waiting again in this office alone. Are you fucking joking? You're alone in this place for at least ten to fifteen minutes. He's never gonna come back. He's gonna get carried away by the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> he he went out a back door into a hallway. Uh, I'm curious if you do anything while he's gone or if you just wait patiently. Uh, she'll wait patiently. 10 to 15 minutes goes by and then you hear this crack from behind the door um, behind you. And then a pause and then just an explosion of shattering glass and breaking wood. Well, which one of my cousins was that? <laughs> and then um, another beat after all this terrible stuff happens and this raucous noise. This guy comes back in and he, he doesn't seem to bat an eye at the noise. He says, are your... Are, he looks at his list again. Oh, see here. I've got uh, Firdosh and Madge. You know them. Uh, yes, they're my cousins. You know where they are. Uh, they should be out in the waiting room. We've been here all day. That's perfect. Uh, if you wouldn't mind gathering them up and following me, we have some people that would like to speak to you. Okay. And Sina will walk out into the waiting room and whatever carnage awaits her. As soon as you open the door and step out, a huge explosion of glass r- shatters right beside your head against this door frame. Ah! I, 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 oh no. Um. <laughs> you can just see Mads. He's like picking people up, <laughs> throwing them into other people. <laughs> oh no. Mads! Mads! I. They need to speak with us. They need, oh, jeez. Mads, please stop throwing people. Where's Firdaus? They need to speak to us. Uh, Mads will look at the guy that he just got done punching and say, Excuse me for a moment. I have business to attend to. And he'll punch him one more time and then go walk over by Cena. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Firdaus, where is, where is Firdaus? I'm underneath like uh, a pile of people like I'm just underneath (laughs) my shield and they're all like stacked on top of me (laughs) please get out from under the people and come with me there are some people who need to speak with us I think it's about the business with the mountain I'll be right there (laughs) I'll cast sleet storm in here (laughs) oh my god So a 20-foot tall cylinder within a 40-foot radius um, centered on a point I choose. So, like, centered wherever it's going to affect the people in here, but not, like, where we need to go. And then, like, sleet will just rain down and make the ground extremely, um, you know, difficult to rain. It'll be slick ice. 
when a creature starts its turn there, comes into the area, it'll, um, on a failed save, fall prone. As you're walking towards Cena and you're kind of about to exit this main entry waiting room, um, I think the majority of the people at this point, being drunken and fighting in this sleep, have fallen down to the ground and the fight kind of stops and they mostly just struggle to even stand up in their drunken state as you walk out. I'm just using my shield as like a plow to get, get through them. <laughs> and then before I exit the room, I turn around and say, may Ifki bless you. And uh, then I turn around and walk into the room. <laughs> this guy leads you down a long hallway and uh, out an exit door and then across the street. And uh, he leads you down a couple alleys to a large, unassuming building other than its size. And he kind of takes you in a side door. And what's your state right now, uh, Ferdos? You got blood on your hands or anything? Or are you okay? Uh, I'm full on, like, look like I just got in a bad hockey fight. So I'm uh, <laughs> okay. moose in front tooth. <laughs> and, like, uh, one of my eyes is pretty swollen up pretty good. Okay. You guys are escorted into a large conference room with a crude and old looking map on the table. Around it sit the governors of all the provinces. But, considering the lack of government you have up here in the north, this is less like some intimidating and informal U.S. congressional hearing full of people in suits. Rather, it's more like maybe the sheriffs and mayors in an old western casually gathering to deliberate on what to do about local bandits. So even though you've got all this blood on you and stuff, it's not like you stand out too much like a sore thumb. Because most of these men are plainly dressed, and, and as you walk in, at least one of them looks like they just woke up. <laughs> Maybe they were interrupted from a nap. At the far end of the room, you spot something that you've never seen before. Although you know exactly what you see. Slumped on the floor, you see the bodies of two cloaked tieflings. Their cowls have fallen back to reveal the red-tinted skin and the horns protruding and swooping backwards from their foreheads. Poking out from below their cloaks, you can even see the devilish tails resting limply on the wooden floorboards of this building. They're smaller than giants, but larger than gnomes. Were they to stand to their full height, they would probably come up to about your thighs. And you are all asked to take a seat at the table, and the governor of Obregard welcomes you. Cena, you would probably be familiar. You know, you'd recognize him, but maybe not the others. Uh, what's the governor's name? What I know. Hmm, what is his name? His name is... Oh, fuck. I had a list of names when I first started this game. His name is Offuk? Yeah, Offuk. Okay. Governor Offuk. <laughs> I love when we name NPCs like that. <laughs> <laughs> You are the people from the team that went up the mountain. No? Yes, we are. You are looking for a response even though you already knew the answer. This is very weird. I've never seen you in person. I'm confirming because we have just gone over the documents provided to us by the busker. What was his name? And one of them leans over and says, uh, Creed, sir. This creed documented all your journey and all the expenses, and, well, you did well. We're impressed. 
Excellent. Uh, thank you, Governor. While they've been talking, um, I like have been dabbing my <laughs> the space where my tooth was uh, with a little cl- cloth and like soaking up the blood. And then I take out a little box from my um, packs that has some like runes written on it. I open up the the little box and, and stuff that in there and then close it. <laughs> and if you were able to read the runes, it would uh, say Ifki on the box, the okay. god of scuffles. <laughs> All right. Oh, these gods are getting awfully niche. There's a, a governor next to you, Ferdas, and he gestures to the map in front of you on the table. And he says, We have called you in here because we were wondering, since you've proven yourself to be so well-versed in the art of survival and going on these missions, we have something else we would like you to do for us, for your country. And what would that be? You see those men over there, the tieflings. Spies! They came in on a cart and they were spotted using these strange devices. And he he slides over this little box and it's got a strap on it and it's got kind of a cylinder sticking out of it. If you were an American in real life, you would know this to be a camera. But your characters don't know what this is. They've never seen one before. He says... This is probably some kind of weapon they were trying to use on our citizens, but we apprehended them. You ever seen anything like this before? Would you mind if I took a moment to try to, uh, discover the nature of this thing? No. Alright, and then I start, like, uh, taking various, uh, things out of my pack and, like, you know, scribbling on the the table and I'm ritual casting uh, detect magic which will take 10 minutes and not only a a moment Ferdas you begin working on that spell as you examine this it's this it's kind of a mixture of wood and leather and some of the some metal materials and it's it's interesting you've never seen anything so intricate with these little pieces that swivel and things that slide and buttons that press and uh, there's glass. There's glass at the end of the cylinder. It's interesting. So when I press a button, um, I point it right at the governor. What does it do? You hear this click and this kind of a humming noise. I quickly put it down as soon as it does that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wait a little bit. And then after a few seconds, it spits out this almost like a piece of paper. But it's a little um, smoother. It's almost like a cardstock paper. It's got an image that fades into view, and you see the governor you just pointed it at on this paper. <gasps> this is pure evil. It must be destroyed. What have you done? You could have killed me. Can uh, can Cena look at the thing and see if she knows what it is? Yeah, I'll hand it over. It's a uh, conjuration, by the way. Conjuration? Okay, I can work with conjuration. It's also evil, and it must be destroyed. I don't know. I think it's just a machine. This is me, he says, looking at the photo. I mean, that's what it looks like. They have stolen my soul and put it on this paper. (laughs) (laughs) I was literally about to say the same thing. 
<laughs> Have you asked the tieflings what, what it is? One of the other governors speaks up and he says, No, unfortunately, as soon as they were apprehended, I don't know if they took a sort of poison or what, but something caused them to collapse. Their hearts are not beating, they appear to be dead. Ah, okay, now I understand. Okay, so, um, have I ever seen anything like this before in my artificer studies, anything like that? You work with gnomes, right? Yes. You would be familiar with how some of the gears and mechanisms work, but you've never seen anything that produces a photo before. Okay. So, some of the machinery on this looks familiar, but um, I don't know what this actual device is. I don't think it's evil. I think it's just a machine that we don't know about. This is almost absolutely gnomish work. Bring in the gnomes! And two uh, gentlemen standing at the back exit. One of the other governors says, The tieflings being here is not only a violation of the treaty, but clearly they somehow escaped from the dwarvish captivity. Now, we had our assurance years back when we signed the treaty that the, the dwarves would keep the tieflings under their control, under lock and key, and we would never have to see them again. So this is serious. What we would like you to do is go find out from the dwarves how this happened and get their assurance that this will never happen again or else we will come in with a violent retribution. You have uh, proven yourselves well on the journey you just took up the mountain when you saved the little girl and we would like you to do this for us because we don't have anyone else who has demonstrated your ability for survival and travel. And this is as you would know because the state of their government is absolutely atrocious. They don't have an army, they don't have security, they don't have anything. If civilians want shit done, such as with the bar brawl, they just do it themselves. There's no police to call. I mean, I'll accept. I don't speak for my cousins, but then you could probably ask them. Ah, and we would be willing to pay you whatever you... And then one of them steps up. Actually, uh, I was going to talk about that. Um, I was looking <laughs> at the records, and uh, their last journey cost us... And he rattles off the number, and he says, oh, I, uh, This was coming out of our citizens' pockets, and I don't think that this is really relevant to the entire citizenship around the country. And then they get in this big squabble about funding this project. <laughs> The people from the big cities are eager to pay all of your wages, and the people from the country bumpkin towns are saying that they want to uh, just, you know, bare minimum shit. As they're having this argument, uh, the people that left the room come back escorted with, uh, they're escorting two gnomes. And the gnomes look like standard gnome traders who come and go in their wagons and uh, deal out adamantine that the giants mine. So the, the gnomes, as you know, are the go-betweens between your nation and then selling the adamantine to the outside world. These are the ones whose cart the tieflings sneaked out of. We didn't know they were in our cart, honest. Shh. We are here because we want to ask you about this device. 
She says this is of gnomish creation. And the gnome will approach you and want to look at the camera. Uh, she'll, like, kneel down and let the gnome look at it. Most importantly, we'd like to know what it is called. I mean, not all gnomes are mechanically inclined, you know. We're just traitors. You have never seen anything like this before? They shake their heads. I've worked with gnome engineers and artificers quite a bit, and um, this definitely resembles the kinds of things that they create. Do either of you deal in mechanical wares, since you're traders? Sure, but we don't tinker with them. We don't make them ourselves. You're telling me that you wouldn't know the wares you sell by sight? They're usually in crates and barrels. We just take the money and come back and give... I, I don't know what you're accusing us of, but this is not some sort of conspiracy. We didn't know those tieflings were in the back of our cart, and we've never seen a device like this before. I have grown incredibly bored of this. <laughs> we should smash them with a boulder and see if we can get answers from their group. Mads, they've done nothing wrong. They didn't know. But they might have done something wrong. We don't know that. You know, I prefer to believe in innocent until proven guilty, so I don't think that you did anything wrong. The mountain can find guilt on anyone. We should put them on top of it and see what the mountain does. If it elevates them down, perhaps they are innocent. <laughs> we are not on the mountain, Mads. It's irrelevant. Well, that's right why now. we would have to put them there. It's a little cold for No the one ever wants to go with the logical ideas. And Mads will cross his arms and get quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like holding it and looking at it again. And I say, um, I would say that the glass is as clear as the purest ice of a polar region, and it steals souls like a void. So I would say it would be called a Polaroid. <laughs> All right. Polaroid. Is this agreeable? That's very interesting, Firdaus. Here's what we're asking you to do. Maybe you can find out what this device is for when you go talk to the dwarves. But the important thing is to find out how these two escaped, what they were doing, and ensure that this will never happen again. This treaty has been in effect for 80 years. And we will not have war again if we can help it. Okay, you don't need to keep pounding on the table. We understand I'll what you're saying. counter make my point. <laughs> I'm aware. I think that it does much to drive home the sort of gravity of the situation, Cena. Sometimes pounding on the table is the only way to do this. I start pounding on the table, too. <laughs> they, all, they all start pounding. Mads will also join. No, one of this, us. One of us. <laughs> I find this wood to be very resonant. What, uh... What is it made of? <laughs> you can't speak with tables. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you just... It's just like, kill me! <laughs> kill me! <laughs> Man smashes the shit out of the table. Why did you do that? It was in danger. It wanted its existence to be ended. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the scene could have ended. <laughs> and then do the clue thing. <laughs> So, they uh, they finally come to an agreement upon how much they're willing to pay you. And it's basically like, they'll cover all your expenses. And then when you come back, um, and then... What, do you have any demands? Do you care? Like, 
I mean, Mr. Mountain Man over there might not care, but maybe your other two do. Increase it by 10%, and we'll do it. All right, but only because we don't have anyone else to go. I require three things when we return. Eh, uh, what are those three things? The first is I require three barrels of ale. The second, you will introduce me to the operator of the elevator mountain. The third, when we meet this operator of the elevator mountain, you will permit me to destroy him. We can get you the three barrels of ale. How attached are you to the elevator mountain operator? Well, being that we don't even know what you're talking about or what an elevator is, not even a little bit. Perfect. We have a deal. <laughs> He's going to reach across <laughs> Ferdos's chest and shake your hand. Yeah, Mads will shake his hand. I'll just shake the middle part of his arm that's going, like, near my chest. <laughs> <laughs> These two gnomes can escort you south towards the dwarfish place until you get to the first gnomish village. From there, they can direct you the rest of the way, because, quite frankly, this map on the table is at least 80 years old and clearly out of date. So, uh, good luck! Wow. <laughs> very, very affirming. Very affirming. And so now you will find that when I open the box of Ifki, and I take that uh, <laughs> that napkin that I had dabbed the blood with, it's completely clean, and the, uh, the offering has been uh, accepted. A day goes by. The gnomish traders are all packed up and they meet you at your whereabouts. And uh, in this time, the scouts doing the census and shit have managed to find the bus skirt. Let me roll for this real quick. Three, it's positive. And four. Yep. And lastly, three or four is a yes. No. Okay. Bogdan, they, they managed to find Bogdana. Yes! Yes! <laughs> but I rolled a two on Benedict, so the youth pastor guy is not coming, and I think we all know why. Yes. I know you guys are all brokenhearted. Well, luckily for him, because he might have been actually brokenhearted if he came along, because I'm going <laughs> to yeah. punch him in the fucking chest <laughs> next time. <laughs> Hi, guys. Well, hello there. Didn't expect to see you again, aside from maybe when I'm playing guitar and she go by in the street. Greetings. You are looking healthy and strong. Thank you. So are you. I smile at him with my tooth missing. <laughs> They filled us in on what's been going on, I must say. This is mighty strange, that they're asking us to do this, to go all the way south to talk to some dwarves. You should really be more careful on this mission. You almost died in the last one. From what I could make out by their shitty map, 
It looks like we're mostly on flight lines, and I don't have to trek up any mountainsides. No offense, Mr. Mads. Yes, well, I was just concerned for your safety. Because if we needed to leave you somewhere, we will. <laughs> he, gives oh you, he gives you a nervous stare. <laughs> Mads, we haven't even left yet. Why are you already threatening to leave our friends? I am not threatening. I am just letting them know and setting the right expectation. Yes, it's like a parameter. Exactly. <laughs> it's good to manage expectations up front. Chris, you want to roll me a d4 for weather? All right, four and three. And I will, you know, druidcraft and um, check the weather. Roll me two more d4s. Two more d4s. Four and a four. As you guys leave your, uh, whatever, wherever you met, the pub or whatever, and you're heading towards the city walls, um, it's foggy, and you can't even see, uh, you know, more than 150 to 200 yards ahead of you. Ferdos, when you cast your spell for foreseeing the weather, all you find is that it's just going to get worse by nightfall. It's going to get super foggy where you probably can't even see more than, you know, 100 feet ahead of you. This fog is not going anywhere. This is, uh, not ideal. Perhaps it would make more sense to wait until the morning. We have to make our delivery. We've already set to agree at this certain spot and certain meeting time to deliver to our merchant, and we have to go now. I'm sorry, are you the one who can't see above the fog? Usually we're pretty good at that. If we can't see above the fog, then there's something wrong. <laughs> they're just riding normal horse wagons. They're not riding those. Um, they're not riding those mammoths that you had before in the prologue. Um, so they mount up with some effort. Can you make it so that they do ride the mammoths, so that we can get some uh, fan art from our um, listeners of gnomes riding mammoths? I think that would be awesome looking. <laughs> I don't care. Gnomes can ride mammoths. If you want to make that, can here I'll. At three or a four, they'll be riding mammoths. Oh, that's a three. They're riding mammoths. Hey! All right. Can one of them do the Jean-Claude Van Damme thing where he's doing a split between two mammoths? <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they've gathered so all of their supplies. This adamantine is heavy as fuck. And they were supplied all of their gear and stuff because they... The gnomes that you know of, unless they've grown up in the city and stuff, if they're from the outside outside the walls, they're kind of poor. And so this wagon and these animals have been supplied by the actual um, mines themselves. Were, were you guys going to ride on the wagon, or did you want to... I mean, it's uncomfortable, but you could find some seating. Or do you want to walk beside it? I'll walk. I'll walk for now. Yeah, okay. That's what most giants are used to anyway. So, uh... You leave the city and begin heading south. And there's a roughly worn dirt trail traveled only by the regular gnomish trade wagons that go in and out of the city. For a few months of the year, the country is a sight to behold, but it is not this month. With spring still a few weeks out, the foliage remains dead and desaturated. You guys are traveling along? One of the uh, gnomes turns to you and says, So you guys braved 
The mountains, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're from, so... Very brave. Brave of a giant to brave a mountain. But it was really hard for you walking in that deep, deep snow at 25 feet tall. Um, I'm 16 feet tall, thank you very much. Oh. And, uh, no, it really wasn't. Mm, yeah. That's a lot of talking for someone within boulder smashing distance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you would smash us with a boulder, big man. Picking on the little guy. That's very brave of you, too. I would take your goo and butter my toast with it. <laughs> Mads, not until after we get paid. Do I know these gnomes' names? No, they go in and out of the city and they mostly only deal with the mining company. You wouldn't be familiar with them. Okay, so she's going to uh, lean down and go, excuse me, gnomes, um, I'm just letting you guys know that uh, Mads, when that makes a threat, he means it. So um, I've witnessed him break like three different arms since he got here. One of those was today. <laughs> I bet it makes him feel like a real big man to break a gnomish I mean, he is a big man. He's, he is, he's huge. <laughs> I, I lean in too and I'm like, there's a reason they don't call him Happies. <laughs> I mean, we're giants. You don't, like, for real, when he threatens you, he means it. And no, I won't heal you because, quite honestly, you did it to yourself. I've met a lot of people at the bar like this. <laughs> <laughs> After that uh, exchange, like, I kind of slow up a little bit and kind of wait for Cena uh, to slow up a little bit, too, so that we kind of. Um, talk to each other behind the uh, the carriage a bit. I'm like, why are we like this? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I I don't. I really don't. There's... They just seem to pull it out of us. I know. We had to give them fair warning. That's true. I'm not gonna clean up you know, broken gnome spine. That's not what you were hired to do. <laughs> How far did... do you think I could throw a gnome? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Not far enough, Mads. I wonder if you could throw a gnome further than Cena can throw a fox. Once we are paid, this will be a test we will have to experiment with. <laughs> All I'm saying is that our size, we get overlooked for every job. Power naturally falls into larger hands, and you guys don't even know how privileged you are to be the size that you are. We had to take this job because no one else would do it. You are exhausting, little gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we had held back. I, I wasn't aware that you could hear our conversation. <laughs> the busker is going to become... He's going to start playing music to try and break the tension and say... Gnomes, what open? Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. The journey continues in this terrible fog, and it feels longer than it actually is, just because you can't see the scenery going by. Do any of you uh, want to do anything as you go, or do you want to just basically trust the gnomes in in their uh, knowledge of this road? Sina, against her better judgment, will trust the gnomes. Okay. Yeah, I'll trust the gnomes. Okay. You're just following the wagon along, and... Uh, the busker's plucking some strings and you're listening to the music and it's relatively tolerable, but 
I imagine that Ferdos is used to long walks through the wilderness and even the fog. Eventually, one of the gnomes interrupts the music and he says, That's as far as we go. The city's that way. Good luck to you, giants. Wait a minute. You were supposed to take us to the city, not city adjacent. I, I don't know what you heard before, but that that's not that's not possible. You see, uh, we're we're going a separate direction. The city's that way, and you'll be just fine as long as you you know keep to this path. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no! You're going to take us to the city, and you're not going to leave us abandoned in this fog. Plus, I thought the metal was ours. This metal's being sold to a buyer. What are you talking about? We shook hands with man. Giant man, other other giant man, the governor. You were hired on to deliver the message to the dwarves. We're selling the metal. Man, we just get screwed any way we go, don't we? I mean, kind of. I'm going to be straight with you. If our buyer sees us with one, two, three, four, five giants... We will never see them again, and actually, they may come for us in the night. We're not going to risk our lives for this. And you don't think we can take these buyers? It's not that you can't take them, it's that you won't take them, because you'll never see them. They won't even show up to the meeting place if you're with us. These seem like really shitty buyers. Here's what we will do, then. My cousin feared us. He will be with you as a mouse. We will observe from a distance, and I will have boulders in my hands. Should you do anything I do not like, you will meet said boulder. This is very risky. This is very risky. You know what else is risky is us trusting you little people. You realize we're putting our entire livelihoods in your hands. You do realize that I have been hired for a job, and I have never once not completed a job I have been hired for. Mads, without even rolling, you can sense in them the apprehension levels are very high about bringing you to the meeting's place, even as a mouse. So I'm going to need you to roll me an intimidation roll. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't think I'm good at... Oh, wait, no, I'm paladin. I have charisma. Never mind. Paladin shit. Um, oh, and I'm good at this. So that would be a 24. Shit. I didn't set the DC that high. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're doing it your way. But you have to understand what we said back there. You can't hold that against us. The gnomes have to do what the gnomes have to do to survive. And despite our differences... Our lives are really in your hands here. I mean, they will come at us with... Who are these people? We can't talk about it. (sighs) We'll take the mouse. Okay. Ferdos, you want to... Are you able to do your thing? I can, uh... Take the shape of something small. But I can only do it for a certain amount of time before I revert back to my... Size that I appear right now. So, I think we should wait until the right time for me to... And I kind of pantomime shrinking down to them. You're going to see them talk amongst each other for a few seconds back and forth, and then finally the one will turn to you and say, 
You can travel with us for a while. I will let you know when it's time to transform. Okay, this is agreeable. Why do you insist on coming with us? Why don't you just go on your way to the city? Uh, we have a bad feeling. We do not trust you, gnomes. You seem very untrustworthy. And quite honestly, I took a a handful of mushrooms earlier, and I <laughs> barely know what's going on right now. <laughs> so he's like tripping fucking balls right now. There's my pupils are the size of the gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> Just do what the mouse man says. We have difficulty trusting you as well. But we also don't want to be smashed by a boulder. <sighs> I find that to be a fair assessment. Come along, giant. May hear the mammoths. May I try that one time? Hearing the mammoths? <laughs> yeah, 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 I like lean down and grab the the leather ropes and I snap them real quick and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> when they hear the mammoths, this leather rope, you know, it's normal to you as a giant and to the mammoths as mammoths, but these things are fucking huge in the gnome's hands, so they kind of have to hear together as a pair. The mammoths start plodding forward. Um, what are you guys doing? Are you guys trailing at a distance, or how do you are you just letting Ferdos go on his own? What is the... Are we in snow right now? Not snow, just fog and dead grass. Okay. Yeah, we're going to trail at a distance since visibility is terrible. Okay. Sina uh, will also send Gygax ahead. And, at, like, to follow to also follow at a distance and to come back if he sees anything that I would think is fishy. I want to know for future references, he's made of metal. Is he a noisy raccoon or is he stealthy? Or what? No. He's no, he moves silently. Sufficiently WD 40 Yes. <laughs> I've explicitly talked about oiling him before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fair. I take good care of this fucking raccoon, dude. <laughs> the mammoths trek on for probably about five miles or so before the uh, gnomes signal you feared us to do your transformation. All right. Are you going to be posted up top of this wagon, or what are you going to do? Yeah, I'll, I'll ride with the, the gnomes. Maybe, like, you know, be near them so they can... Be near them so they can put me in their pocket or something like that. Mm, yeah, he'll put you in his breast pocket. I think that's reasonably safe. It'll have a flap on it so you can peer through the flap. I'm like boxing at the flap like a cat with a um, cardboard box. <laughs> the mammoths come to a stop in this clearing, sparsely surrounded by trees, and the cart sits still. And in the fog, everything is dead, silent. And uh, it's reminiscent of when you were up on the mountain and the snow just muted the world can't see anything around you except for a few silhouettes of trees and then after a time you hear the crunch of leaves Ferdos, as you peer through the flap of this gnome's pocket you see the silhouette of what looks like maybe humanoid forms but just as back in the conference room these have 
horns protruding from their heads. And as they come closer into view, you see two tieflings approaching the mammoths. I look up towards the gnome that I'm in the pocket of, and I'm like, I'm freaking out, man! (laughs) Shh! Shut up! You want to get us all killed? I really have horns. Uh, Greetings! We come with your uh, arranged goods, as promised. The figures won't say anything. They'll just approach the wagon and they'll lift off the tarp um, as they climb up on top of these wheels. Because they're, uh, this is a big fucking wagon, so they've got to make their way to the top to get in. Can I see what kind of weapons they have on them? As they uh, leave behind you and he's kind of turned to watch them, you can peer out of his pocket and see bows slung over their shoulders. You can see swords at their hip. And uh, it looks mostly like melee equipment. Well, I mean, melee and long range. No magic shit. Oh, okay. But, like, the the bows and, and melee equipment themselves look like they're just standard quality? Um, yeah. It looks like they're nice, but it, you'd have to inspect them up closer to know if they're like legendary or any shit like that. Oh, okay. They don't look like they were homemade. These guys uh, climb down from the carp, the cart after they've inspected the goods. And they walk up to the gnomes and they say, Where are the others? And the gnome says, They're still in the city. They didn't return. They told us to go on without them. And you see the one furrow his brow and he looks up at them and he says, this is not what we agreed to. It's what they said. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we could give you a discount on the goods if you want. <laughs> as long as we can go on our way and continue business, uh, we'll let them know that you're looking for them. And then you see the two tieflings talk amongst each other. He comes back and he says, We'll take the cart, but we will keep our eye on you. Don't think you can go anywhere if we find out anything strange is going on. Your heads will be in our packs. <laughs> of course. <laughs> N- no funny business. Uh, just take the cart and uh, everything will be well, I assure you. So the unhitching begins and uh, they summon um, a pack of uh, four oxen that they can hook up to this cart and then the gnomes climb up these ropes to these crazy saddle things on top of the um, mammoths and it looks like the deal is done and the tieflings disappear into the fog with this load of metal did the um, tieflings pay the the gnomes anything you saw them hand them something it was in a, um, a baggie and are the the gnomes expected to walk back now that since they took the mammoths the gnomes climbed on the mammoths the cart was unhitched unhitched and hooked to oxen oh i see it was a cart being pulled by them okay so the the they already walked away right correct you are they disappeared into the fog you can only i mean you would maybe assume yeah and then um would i know which direction they disappeared into the fog towards uh you're good with nature so I think you would know that they went south. All right, and um, how how much longer do I have on my mouse uh, mouse shit here? It's probably been about 
an hour so far in total since you transformed. Okay, so I've still got some time, but in in mouse form, I'm gonna like push the flap up so that I can look at the gnome in the face. And I'm like, um, what the fuck was that? Standard deal. I don't know what you mean. They were more of those things, the, the horn things. The... Beggars can't be choosers about their bias. We have to take what we can get. We were sent to find out about those things. Well, you should have asked. I'm glad you didn't, though. That probably... That would have been something to bring up way earlier than right now. Especially in the state that I'm in. You never asked about our buyers, and we don't deal with politics. We're just tradesmen. We need to get paid, and that's all we want. We're going back to the city. We have to pay the miners their share. We can take you to the village, but no further. We will see what my cousins have to say about this. I'm not in the state right now to make any decisions. But you are on my shit list. I'll tell you that right now. The mammoths turn and walk back north the way you came. And the uh, the sound, even though you can't see them, the sound is evident to you, Mads and Cena, what's going on as they walk back. And uh, finally, they their silhouettes appear. The card is gone. And uh, as soon as I can, like, make out their um, their shapes in the in the fog, I'm, I'm going to, like, jump off of the mammoth and run down the, the hairy legs and get onto the ground and sprint forward and uh, climb up onto um, Cena's shoulder. <laughs> Cena doesn't see you. She steps on you. You die. <laughs> <laughs> Cena will just bend down and pick you up, like... Yeah, yeah. It, well, I, I'm super small, and this is fog. I don't know if you could even see me running up, but uh, but yeah, even if she stepped on me, I would just turn into um, Ferdos. So. Turn into Ferdos and be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, but uh, if I'm allowed to climb onto her shoulder, uh, I'm going to uh, start excitedly yelling. Um, they met with two more of those things. That's what the buyer was. You met with tieflings? They met with tieflings. Can't believe it. You... Uh, And I'm saying this loud enough to where Mads would be able to hear, too. You met with tieflings, and then you told us that you you had nothing to do with them? What? He, He said we should have asked, as if we would know to ask. As I said before, we don't get involved with politics. We just sell goods. That's all we're interested in. Oh, my God. That is not how this will work. You are what we call a liar on the mountain. You know exactly what you are doing, little gnome. You will lead us to these tieflings so I can eat their bones. They're long gone by now. You heard what I told you earlier. They went south. They went south? Ferdas and I are quite good at tracking. You can stay where you wish to, gnomes, but we will do as we wish as well. Our agreement was we could take you to a nearest village, and that's it. Is it time for me to have breakfast yet or not? (laughs) (laughs) Mads is looking for a big-ass boulder as he's saying that. Like, he's (laughs) looking for a big fucking boulder and looking at his cousins like, is it time for me to have breakfast or not? (laughs) No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I'm going to turn back into my regular form. I, I, I'm gonna pluck them off of their uh, 
their um, mammoths and put them in my breast pockets. I'll put you there for safekeeping. Till we figure out what to do with you. We're already behind schedule as is. Oh no, you're behind schedule. What terrible fates. <laughs> Here, in case you get hungry and I put some of my mushrooms in the pocket. <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming that Gygax has come back by now? Yeah, he would have come back with the mammoths. Okay, uh, Cena will pick him up and put him in uh, one of the breast pockets and say, There, for the company, Gygax, tell me if they try to escape because it won't be happy. <laughs> to the village? I thought we were heading south. Mm-hmm. The village is south. So those things went towards the village? Well, it's more southeast. We are heading due south. We're tracking the tieflings. Well, we only told you we'd take you to the village. So it's southeast, or else you should let us go on our way. That is not going to be what happens. You are small, and you have no choice. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me. I'm the captain now. (laughs) Listen, we never said how long it would take us to get to the village. (laughs) You hit the village on your way back from this entire arc. (laughs) I am altering the deal. Pray I do not alter it further. (laughs) (laughs) Begrudgingly, because they don't want to become Mad's breakfast, I think they're going to point the direction. And What are you guys going to do with the uh, mammoths? (laughs) I, uh, like, point them towards uh, the the town that we came from, and I... (laughs) just rap on their reins and go yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> alright they're gonna mosey on their way they don't run or anything they just kind of plod along and <laughs> if they're going slow uh, after like uh, a few seconds I'm gonna like get an idea in my head and then um, chase off after them and then um, catch up to them and I'm going to um, cast uh, speak with animals fuck oh my okay. god <laughs> I can't see shit in this fog. We'll get there, we'll get there. You are free now. I'm letting you go. What the hell? Yes, uh, your masters are going with me now. Now you are your own masters. I didn't know you spoke our language. It's a beautiful language, and you're beautiful creatures. And every time I turn my head pretty fast, like, you trail off like crazy, and it's amazing looking. Well, burn my knickers. You're not wearing those. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what knickers are. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like, you would never have to know. You are free to go where, wherever you want. You think if I wore knickers, I'd wear them like this or like this? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think they would start start halfway across your body long ways and then just cover the back two legs. What the fuck you want, anyhow? I want you to know that you do not have to go to wherever pin you came from. You can go off into the wilderness and be woolly mammoths and do woolly mammoth things. What do woolly mammoths do? They go and do whatever the fuck they want. What the fuck you want to do? 
they started conversing with each other about their hopes and dreams. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm walking away uh, from them, I um, just put my air hand in the air like in a fist, like a bender from um, the Breakfast Club. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one runs off to become a doctor and then the other one runs off and becomes a porn star. I remember the end of that movie very differently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys go on your way, you headed south. Roll um uh either nature or survival, either one will work. Or were you talking about the mammoths? Did one of the mammoths go off to become a porn star? Oh, yeah, I was talking about the mammoths. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are rolling nature or survival. Either one will work. Okay. I'll leave that to them because I'm tripping. Let's do nature. Okay. Uh, 20 not natural. Um, this gnome reaches outside of Firdos's pocket and says, That way! And Mads and Cena, you both know that he pointed southeast. Um, I am going to uh, just flick Firdos's pocket. <laughs> And had actual south. <laughs> One of them throws up. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, you missed me and got my nipple, bro. <laughs> I also got the gnome, which is all that matters. But great apologies to your nipples, cousin. Apology accepted. He's struggling to breathe, but he says... <clears throat> I know you want to chase those tieflings, but the town to the southeast is much more accommodating to the one to the south. I, you really won't like it, south. If you were trying to get us to go on a train, you should have just built a railroad. <laughs> That's a secret, Mads, or that's a secret gnome. <laughs> Mads is, or I forgot what he said. <laughs> you really are tripping. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I had to wait too long uh, to, to get to my turn, so oh well. You guys ignore their cautions and you head due south. Um, eventually... Through the fog, you can see the lights of buildings, more like lanterns and shit, in a small town up ahead. And as you draw near, you suddenly pick up the sound of loud ramblings echoing through the fog, and you can't make out what's being said. It almost sounds like the slurred speech of a drunkard. Continuing forward in the direction of the voice, you can eventually discern what appears to be a middle-aged gnomish man wearing... Not a single stitch of clothing save for a quiver on his back. His movement is strange as he struggles with something on the ground, and suddenly you see a torch light up in his hand. He looks at you and shouts more slurs in an angry tone. You see him pull a long tube from his quiver, and before you know it, there's an ear-piercing screech as the tube flies through the air towards you with a stream of pink flames behind it.
The Giants March is a production by the Time to Die Podcast Network. It's one of our many different stories. If you'd like to find out more, visit timetodierpg.com. If you're enjoying the show, we would be ever so grateful for a review on your favorite podcatcher or a shout out on social media. Post about us on Reddit or Twitter. Share us with a friend. Whatever you can do to let people know that we exist and that you think our shows are worth a listen. If you would like to support us financially, you can pledge monthly at patreon.com slash time to die RPG. Or you can give us a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash time to die RPG. Want to hang out with us? We have a Discord server. The link is in the episode description, or you can find it at our Time to Die website. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Time to Die RPG. Find us on Reddit at r slash Time to Die RPG. Tim, who plays Mads, is on Twitter at IdaGrabYourGun. Chris, who plays FearDoss, is on Twitter at ChrisRileyLCP. Aubrey, who plays Cena, is on Twitter at AubreyGray1. That's A U B R E E G R A Y and the number one. And I, Brian Bridges, the GM of this campaign, am on Twitter at ManlyBrian. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Giants March. The road is long, but the world is small. One should never tread where the giant's feet may fall. The road is long, but the world is small. Cause you can crush any man in the way when you're standing tall. finally reached our last audition for today. This is Flan Flight auditioning for... It's this guy again, isn't it? That's three times today. Alright. Flan Flight auditioning for the part of Seymour Bacon Breath. It's like he's not even trying at this point. Alright, Flan. Step on up to the mic. Let's get this over with. The name's Seymour. Seymour Bacon Breath. Friends call me Booger. I don't care what you call me, though. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> ah, I, I kid, I kid. So, you ask, why would a halfling want to join up with a bunch of giants? Well, I feel more of a kinship with you than my kind. My kind is always looking down at me. No, no, not because I'm shorter than them. I'm actually quite tall for a halfling. The reason they're always looking down at me is... Because in between my legs, I've got a giant hog. So you see, we're more alike than you think. Thanks, Flan. You won't be hearing from us. 
Have one of the interns take that microphone out and burn it. He spit all over it.